on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we would have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. That's right. We're on the air. ESPN Radio. 97.7. On the ESPN app. Oh, you got to download the app. You got to do the app thing. You got to be like the cool cats and download the app and you find the listen tab. And then uh, wherever you go, we shall go with you. Except the bathroom. That's kind of gross. Anywhere else, though, we can go with you. You can listen from out of town. I've heard from a bunch of you. I mentioned this on the show yesterday. heard from even more people. Hey, how do I listen? I want to hear the Q's talk. I'm in Walla Walla, Washington. I'm here. Not really. I just made that up. But, you know, I'm here. I'm there. I, you know, I'm hearing from people out of state. They're like, hey, how do I listen, man? I've got to get the Q's talk this week. Well, the app is a great way to do that. Just download the ESPN app. Find the Listen tab. Find ESPN Syracuse. And away you go. So those are the ways to listen to the program. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. If you subscribe in iTunes or Google Play, we will send you about a 30-minute version of this program, condensed down, commercial-free for you to get the best of the best, to listen to shows on your time. That's another great way to listen to the program. If you'd like to participate, here's how you do that. The phone number is 437-7644. You can always tweet me, Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media on Twitter, or the on-the-block text line. We had some great uh, texts on the show yesterday. would love to see the text line burning again today. And you can hit the on-the-block text line by texting 288-0644. 288-0644. So lots of great ways to participate in the program as well. We're going to hear from our friend Chris Carlson, Syracuse.com, his view of Syracuse and Duke, his view of how the Orange found their way to the Sweet 16. And adventures on the road with the Syracuse.com crew, Mike Waters, Donna DeTota, and the great Dennis Nett. You've been following Chris on Twitter. They almost ended up in Canada because of Carlson. We'll have to uh, get that story on the show today. So plenty of Q's Hoops talk, as you can imagine. We'll do the hot takes as usual. Top five. Now, I'm going to explain this a little bit more Coming up here, if you're not familiar with a, you know, and this is what happens this time of the year, and what we'll test a, a segment we do on this program once in a while called, should this thing be a thing? Is this thing a thing? But we're going to respond to that, the top five Twitter reactions to a certain column written about Syracuse, New York, from an Omaha point of view. So that'll be our top five list later in the program, and of course, everything that you want to discuss today as we go throughout. And uh, that is where I do want to start. 
because, as we know, Syracuse is heading to Omaha, somewhere in middle America, for the Sweet 16, Friday night, 9.37, approximate tip time. But you knew that already, right? So, inevitably, because there's a lot of time to fill, and there's a lot of space to fill. And we've gone down this road before, right? Usually it's ACC cities in Jim Beheim's comments about the locations of certain Denny's in ACC cities. And there was the Greensboro thing, right? Now, has taken a shot at the fine salt city here. Because now it's interesting how a thing becomes a thing. And in this case, this thing became a thing because someone in the Syracuse locker room, an unidentified person, mentioned once they found out, of course, that uh, Omaha was the site of the Sweet 16, said, and uh, Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic tweeted this. Overheard in the, this is Sunday, of course, after the win. Overheard in the Syracuse locker room. Nebraska's like Missouri. Flat and farms. Syracuse off to Omaha next weekend. So, and a fun, lighthearted column. Let's not get too crazy on this, but... A gentleman by the name of Chris Peters, who writes for the Omaha World Herald, wrote a kind of a sticky, snarky shot at Syracuse, New York. Headline! People who live in itty-bitty Syracuse shouldn't throw shade on Nebraska. And he leads the article this way. New York has more farms per square mile than Nebraska. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it, Syracuse hoops. And he goes on to explain where it came from, what the tweet says. And he says, ah, how naive. Nebraska is the 19th flattest state in the United States. Missouri is the 31st. And yeah, okay, New York is the 39th flattest. It would have been more accurate to say Nebraska is moderately flat, like Iowa or Ohio or Arkansas. In fact, the very locker room where that insult was cast was in Detroit, the 12th flattest state, seven spots flatter than Nebraska. As for farms, Missouri has 100,000 farms, the second most in the U.S. That's more than twice as many as Nebraska. In fact, New York has only 11,900 fewer farms than Nebraska. Chris goes on to write, but here's the real hammer. New York, smaller than Nebraska by land area, actually has more farms per square mile than Nebraska does. Nobody squashes a beef like Nebraska. It goes on to take a couple more shots at Syracuse, including that people in Omaha make twice as much money as Syracuse does, and you know, so on and so forth. So that became a thing. You know what else is becoming a thing? And it's tired and old and certainly not creative, but that darn zone defense and how it's ruining college basketball, right? The same takes come out in slightly different ways Every time Syracuse makes a deep tournament run, which has actually been quite often lately. Okay, Syracuse did not make the tournament last year, and they did not make the tournament in 2015 by their own hand. Remember, that was a self-imposed postseason ban at that time. But they are in the Sweet 16 this year. They were in the Final Four in 2016. They were in the Final Four in 2013. 2014 was kind of an earlier exit than thought, losing to Dayton in Buffalo, of all places. But that's the tournament for you. 
So inevitably, because of the success of the zone defense, and this year it's been particularly successful, holding Arizona State to 56 points, holding TCU to 52 points, and holding Michigan State to 53 points. However, the offense has not backed up the defense. And, you know, I think even the most diehard Syracuse fan, if you stepped out of your orange colored view of the world for a moment and just dropped in as a college basketball fan, certainly would admit that Syracuse basketball is hard to watch. It is not a team that you're tuning in to watch an up-and-down, exciting basketball game. That's how Syracuse wins games. It is not pleasing to the eye, but that's how they do it. They hold the ball. They play great zone defense. They kind of muck it up a little bit. It has worked. That is their strategy, and they're sticking to it, and it's got them this far. So what you start to see now, I brought one up on the air yesterday, and it kind of happened late in the show, so I only made kind of a passing reference to it, but put it out on Twitter, and, of course, a lot of Syracuse fans reacted to this. And it was an article on The Ringer, and, you know, I didn't want to pull the move of just tweet the headline. I actually read the piece, and I was still confused about why the choice of words in the headline that was kind of the tease that was used on Twitter was the controversial Syracuse zone. And I just kind of just laughed, and I said, what is controversial about the zone? Did it have a sex scandal or something? Was there a non-disclosure agreement with the zone and, and President Trump I don't know about? Like, what is controversial about the zone? It's a defense that works. It's not controversial. Yes, it's not popular if you're not a Syracuse fan or somebody that thinks the zone is is not a viable defense, which another national commentator I'll get into here in a moment. Boy, you think Gottlieb. Has it in for Syracuse. He's got nothing on Bo Monty Jones, but we'll get to that here in a moment. And then I see an article on USA Today, which honestly was much better than the Ringer article. And that USA Today article said that the zone and Syracuse this year is, and as I always do, I encourage you to read these for yourself. Just don't take my word for it. They're very easy to look up. Ringer.com, usatoday.com. All right. Bomani Jones is on Twitter. You can find all these comments for yourself. If I sat here and read it all, we'd be here till you know, next week. But that's the glory of the Internet. You can find this stuff for yourself and pass judgment on yourself. I'm giving you my judgment of it. So the USA Today article actually was much better than the Ringer article because it did it several times correspond, okay, yeah, the zone is this, but what makes Syracuse games unwatchable is that the offense is struggling. And that's hard to argue with at times. We're used to it because we have seen it game in and game out. We know the limitations of the team. We know they only have seven healthy players. There certainly is offense and spurts from Tyus Battle, Frank Howard, O'Shea Brissett, Merrick Dolzhai, and others. But, yeah, by and large, look at the scores. Look at the numbers. The numbers do not lie. Syracuse is 312th in the country shooting this, 318th in the country shooting that. And, you know, the off- they were dead last in the country in terms of pace of play and offensive possession. So, If you want to say that's unwatchable, frankly, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. If I'm just a random college basketball fan and I'm watching that game, yikes. You know what else was unwatchable was UMBC, Kansas State, and a few other games I ran into. And what has been an amazing tournament. For all the buzzer beaters and exciting games and upsets that we've seen, you know, you're playing all these games, there's going to be a few clunkers. Okay. 
So then there's Bomani Jones, who formerly had a radio show on ESPN. Now he's kind of recalibrating at ESPN and is doing a television show and he's going to do a podcast. And But still, you know, a prominent voice on ESPN. And I have heard Bomani use this, and I think Bomani is very good at riling people up in a way not quite trolling, not quite Gottlieb-like, but certainly kind of embraces, let's say, Twitter fights. Like one I'm looking at now that says he's not a Cuse fan, he's just an angry dork. And there he has a T-shirt on a website that he has that sells merchandise that says that the zone is for cowards. It's actually kind of a funny shirt if you look at it. So... This being social media and everybody's offended by this and offended by that. I mean, you are feeding the trolls in a way. You're giving people what they want in this sense. But this has been Bomani's take for a long time. And Bomani's take is that the zone is for cowards, right? Now, when you peel away some layers for that, he means generally people playing basketball but loves to kind of rile up Syracuse fans because of kind of this broad statement that cuts right into what Syracuse is. Like this tweet, Syracuse is sixth all-time in wins, Division I basketball, put another way, better than 345 other programs that play exclusively man-to-man. And Bomani's response to that is he thought this was a great point. So Bomani, while trying not to be a Skip Bayless-esque hot taker, is just that. Here's my point. I'm sticking to it. Let's Twitter fight. At the end of the day, it's all good for me, Right. Even makes a reference at one like, do you think I bought this watch based off of, you know, my correspondence from central New York? And it's like, you know, I get riled up at this stuff sometimes. I've certainly picked a few fights with Gottlieb in my day, all in good spirit, because to his undying credit, Doug is accessible. I can text Doug Gottlieb right now, and he'll come on this show, or he will do a podcast with me or be accessible in some way, shape, or form. And, and to that, I, I give him credit. He can't come on this show right now. That was figuratively because he's on the air the same time I am. But, you know, if I texted him, he would get back to me. He's not one of these guys that runs and hides, nor is Bomani from that sense. I have not requested to have Bomani on. I think that would be a fun conversation. Because it we get so uptight about these things, but it, it does get tiring. Because if you're going to take shots at Syracuse, at least be creative about it. Gottlieb has said the same crap for the past... 10 years and hasn't really evolved his take. And every time he's done this, by the way, all Syracuse does is go to the final four, or in this case, go to the sweet 16 and hopefully more. Bomani just has this thing and, and he sticks to it. Okay. Um, the zone is this, it's unwatchable. It's that, I mean, it's 2018. I, I've heard this over and over again and Syracuse fans have heard it over and over again. And they just kind of roll their eyes at it. I welcome fresh, approaches to these things, creative approaches to these things, you know, make me laugh. And I get it because you can't get stuck in your own world. There are people that, you know, this might be hard to hear, don't like the zone defense, don't like Jim Beheim, think that Syracuse doesn't belong in this tournament. I'm, and that's the beauty of these discussions, right? But what you have ultimately is one of the great comebacks in sports, scoreboard. They're in the Sweet 16. They're playing Duke Friday night, whether you like it or not. This isn't one of those, hey, they shouldn't have been there and they lost to Arizona State in the first round kind of thing. It, It's funny to me how every time this comes up, it's in the same vein of, you know they're in the Sweet 16, right? You know, like, 
no matter how you feel about the zone, um, it works. They've held several teams, including three in this tournament, to their season low. It may not be pretty, but this is how Syracuse has to win games. And it's Tuesday. See, my point is, get ready for more of this. It's Tuesday. By the time we get to Friday night at 9.30, when the national media will descend on Omaha on Thursday, Jim Beheim's press conference will be must-see TV as usual. Now, I know that Jim was on with Gottlieb today. I have not heard or seen anything from that interview, so I wonder what came out of that. He's going to be on PTI tomorrow, so there'll be something great there. He always has great stuff with Tony and Mike. And then the national media will descend upon Omaha on Thursday, and Omaha is one of the better regional sites because you've got Syracuse, Duke, Krzyzewski, Bayheim, two winningest coaches in Division I men's college basketball history. All the storylines there, of course, Kansas. Clemson is also there, so three of the four teams are from the ACC. I mean, that is a writer's dream. That is just content upon content. So someone's going to go to that press conference and ask some questions that it's going to set off Bayheim. And, and I'm not saying in a negative way, just in a way that he's going to make news. Guaranteed on Thursday, as Shashevsky will, which will create more columns and more hot takes and more of the same stuff. So, as much as this is one of the best times of the year to soak in being a Syracuse basketball fan, I mean, I was driving around town today doing a bunch of things, and you can't go, you know, 10 feet without seeing a, a Let's Go Orange sign or some sort of reference to Syracuse. There's an energy and a buzz and a passion in this town when this team makes it deep into the tournament, unlike anything, and that is awesome. But you have to deal with all the other crap, too. <laughs> you know? Friday's a long way away when your Twitter timeline and the sports talk radio airwaves and some of the other airwaves are full of this same old stuff. So all I'm saying is, man, it's Tuesday. We got four days to the game. If you're going to you know, look at Syracuse and – Look at it in a way that you know is not going to please the local fan base. All I ask of you is just don't put out the same old narratives. Challenge us a little bit. See if you could piss us off another way. How about that? I've never heard that before. I'm angry at this as opposed to the same old stuff. You got to love it. It's only Tuesday. And I've probably missed some stuff. Those are the main ones that I saw. And I'm a pretty avid consumer of media, but I'm sure I missed a few things. 437-7644 if you want to hop on board. The text line is 288-0644, so certainly more on this game as we continue. Before we break, though, I want to hear from Stephen North Syracuse is on the block. Steve, how are you, man? Well, firstly, one thing I learned from my youth is that farm is spelled E-I-E-I-O. There you go. That's the way I heard it, too. Yeah, and uh, I was sorry to hear that LeMoyne lost because if Syracuse doesn't win the national championship, it would have been nice to see uh, the two B-lines win the championship. You know, and here's my question on that, Steve. Did Patrick, now what's the status of the soon-to-be B-line to enter the world? Because his wife was due, I believe, today or tomorrow, and he's off in South Dakota, so they lost. So I wonder if he's going to make it back to see uh, the latest B-line enter the world. So uh, film at 11 on that one. We'll keep you up to date. Now, I, I wanted to give you a chance to respond to a question that I've been asking uh, all my favorite uh, radio uh, talk shows here. Uh, we had a debate on the Syracuse fan uh, board, SyracuseFan.com board, uh, about whether you would rather have a season like the one Virginia had, 
or a season like the one Syracuse is having. That is, uh, be dominant for, for three months and you're ranked number one and you wake up every morning and we've got the best team in the country and then suddenly you get a solar plexus punch in the first round. Or Syracuse, uh, uh, which bounced back and forth, had a, a very frustrating at times this season, uh, scraped together uh, enough wins, uh, mostly ugly wins, to get into the tournament. And now we've won a few in a row and everybody's all excited about it. Uh, my, my, my position was that uh, I, I value the regular season more than most people do because it's longer and it's a better test of uh, how good your team really is than a single elimination tournament. As I look back at this decade, we've had three number one teams and two final four teams, and they're five different teams, and I enjoyed all of them. But uh, I actually had more fun rooting for the number one teams because they were so good for for so long. Now, a Virginia fan came onto the board to congratulate us on our win, so I asked him, you know, what is your opinion on this? Would you rather have Virginia's season or Syracuse's season? And uh, he said he'd rather have Syracuse's season uh, rather than being number one and then having such an embarrassing defeat. He'd rather have a, a postseason run. And it's kind of relevant because I think next year we might be strong enough to have the kind of season right. Virginia did, and then right. I'll wonder what's going to happen in the postseason. Steve, uh, that is a great question. It is one I'm going to ponder for a bit here because I do have to get a commercial break in, so not to pull a Ryan Seacrest on you here, but I will give you my opinion on that. After the break. It's a great question, though, so we'll discuss that coming up and more. You are on the block, ESPN Radio. Back after this. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. We didn't want uh, Langford and uh, McQuaid to shoot the ball. We tried to get on them. When you get on a guy from the beginning, when they do finally get a shot later, then they're not ready. So I thought we did a good job of getting on them. Oh, it's a party. It's a Tuesday party. I wanna rock right now. I'm Brent Axe, and I came to get down. Oh, yeah. I'm a rapper in my spare time, and I don't know if you guys knew that. A uh, couple things here before I get to Steve's question, which was a good one. Uh, first of all, big, big thank you to our friends at the uh, social media breakfast, the Syracuse Chiefs who hosted the event, uh, the great Megan Cahill, and Danny from the Chiefs, and Dave Gunn from Syracuse Athletics, Kevin Morrow up at Syracuse Athletics, who puts this whole thing together, our friends at Glazed and Confused Donuts, who, by the way, I've now had two Glazed and Confused Donuts today, because donuts are my weakness, and if I see them, I eat them. I just had the bacon donut during the break, and I I am, like, in a state of bliss right now. (laughs) So if I start talking dreamily right now, and it sounds like a romantic novel. It's because I just had a bacon donut and life is just glorious. But they were there. Our friends at Cafe Kubal were there. I'm going to leave some people out. But it was a fun, great event. And thanks to everybody that came out. And great discussion about sports and sports uh, Twitter and social media. And uh, I, I learned a lot. And it was great to meet a lot of you there today who are regular listeners to the program or read on Syracuse.com. And, and it was great. So a big, big shout out to Everybody, and boy, that donut was, it's an amazing experience. Just let me, just give me a moment here. Like, I just, whoo, I feel like I need a cigarette right now. Anyway, Steve's question was a very good one. And basically the question is, would you rather have a season like Virginia? You're number one in the country. You are one of the best teams in the country for most of the season. 
It's a long season. November, December, January, February, into March. Nothing carries us through a long winter. Happy spring. By the way, today is the first day of spring, believe it or not. Then Syracuse basketball, particularly in this town. Or would you rather have a season like Syracuse where you kind of slog through, you're on the bubble, you don't know, right up until the moment the selection show tells you you're in, and then you have a season that places you far into the tournament. If those are my two choices, then I'm taking Syracuse every day of the week and twice on Sunday because from Jim Beheim on down, what fans, what he'll tell you and what fans will certainly remember is, well, where'd you finish? You're not going to remember all the times you were number one and the great wins you had in the regular season unless they're, you know, historic games of some sort, buzzer beaters. Like, it's all a wash at this point. What you remember is how far you made it. And what you remember is the feeling of the postseason and beating Michigan State. And go back to two years ago, that, you know, almost impossible run to the Final Four. In 2013, 2013 was a better team. They were a four seed, so it wasn't inconceivable to get to the Final Four, but... That's what you remember. That's why you buy T-shirts. That's what motivates you. Steve is somebody that appreciates the regular season because of the grind that it is and the effort that it takes, but it is all about what you do in March. Now, again, those are my two choices in this vein. There's been great years where Syracuse combines the two. I think of 2012. That was a great team with a lot of talent that went in as a high seed that made it to the Elite Eight. And the only reason they didn't make it to the Final Four I shouldn't say only, but a primary reason was the officiating was awful in that Ohio State-Syracuse game. And I hate to blame refs for things. Anybody that listens to this show regularly knows that. But that game was one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen. And that's just not my opinion. A lot of college basketball experts were pointing at that game and say how badly officiated it was. I think of 2010. Syracuse, number one team in the country a lot of the year, rolling through. Surely that's a team that was going to go to the Final Four. It felt like that. Arenze Anawako gets hurt. And while that put a derailment on things, they still made it to the Sweet 16, lost to Butler, who was a half-court shot away by Gordon Hayward from beating Duke in the national championship game. So you have years like that where you live up to expectation and you go far in the tournament, and the tournament just you know has a cruel fate sometimes, and that's what it can do to you. But those were, I think, very satisfying seasons. This, despite the fact Syracuse slogged along for most of it, I mean, let's be honest here. Part of why we love sports is drama, right? As much as it makes you nervous and the cardiac use thing, and it can you know just drive you nuts, the great thing about sports is drama. It's you show up and you don't know what's going to happen, and Syracuse gave us plenty of that and ended up on the right side of the coin in terms of getting into the tournament and, and where they sit now. Virginia, again, particularly that team, they made history for all the wrong reasons, much like a two-seed Syracuse losing to Richmond in 1991 did. So that is, you know, when you are a team like Syracuse that makes the tournament year in and year out and makes it on all kinds of different seeds and different stories, we've been on the lower end of that story today. We've been on the lower end of that story the last few years in terms of seeding, but Give me this year, give me Syracuse, give me that type of year over a number one seed that builds up the pressure and nothing short of a Final Four is satisfying. I think the the disappointment there outweighs whatever satisfaction they would have got because if Virginia got to the Final Four, what would the reaction have been? Oh, hey, congratulations, you finally made it, right? Oh, 
You mean the team that was number one in the country most of the year made it to the Final Four? Okay, check a box that you were supposed to be here. And if they won a title, certainly there would have been some satisfaction in that. But I would much rather be the team that crashes the party that wasn't supposed to be here and is the better story. But maybe I think differently because I come at it from a media point of view. 437-7644. Phil in the cars on the block. ESPN Radio. What's up, Phil? Not too much, Brent. I figured now is a great time to bring up the uh, the Yogi Bearism. That is, you can't anticipate the unanticipatable. <laughs> Another great one. Underrated Yogiism there. Fantastic. You know, that's, that's, I think that's been issues like model all year. You just don't know what you're going to get, which is why you watch. That's really it. And I think as much as fans want to see their team win, the beauty of sports is, and what makes March Madness so great, Phil, we got all these seeds and all these teams that are supposed to win, right? But, you know, 16 beat ones and and Cinderella's happen and upsets happen and buzzer beaters happen and things that you just can't even sit down and plan out on your best day happen, and that's what sports can deliver to you. Right, you got 10 million people right now that just burned their bracket. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's not a perfect bracket that exists in the world that we know about. Maybe, you know, somebody like, you know, one of the Sherpas on top of Everest has one right now, and he just hasn't emailed it to us. But other than that, there is not a perfect bracket in the world that exists. And I think that's what has made the last few years for Syracuse basketball tolerable. Because let's be honest, for the last four years, and one of those years they weren't even tournament eligible, They've been a bubble team. But that's a great story. You go into Selection Sunday anticipating what's going to happen, and Syracuse has been on both ends of that spectrum. But the fact that, and I think we kind of knew they weren't getting in last year, but the fact that you go into Selection Sunday last year and you're let down, and then you go into Selection Sunday this year and they sneak in as the last team in, makes you appreciate that much more what this season brought you. Because, it, it look, November, December, January, February are great, and we talk about this team intently, or I said, pardon me, intensely, day in and day out, and cover it closely because it's what gets us through the winter. But it's all for this time of the year, right? I remember Jim Beheim did a press conference a few years ago in response to a column that our old friend Bud Poliquin wrote, and it was about you know the record he had the past few years. And, and even Jim said, look, we judge success by what we do in March. And he referenced the Final Four year and said, that's the fifth best year I've ever had. Why? Because it's the fifth Final Four we went to. That's how he judges things. Now, I don't think fans get that specific about it, but you play four months of basketball for what you do in March. That's the harsh reality of it, and I think that's what you should be judged by, particularly when you've reached a certain level like Syracuse has. And I've always felt like if I had to average it out, that sweet 16 is what Syracuse fans expect. Like that, if you just had to, different teams tell different stories. And this year's team, you have to be fair about the departures and the injuries and, you know, the reality of the situation. But if I had to average it out, if you're a Syracuse basketball fan, I said to you, what would satisfy you? By and large, year in and year out, sweet 16 is the answer. And that's where they are. And the fact that this team, is in the Sweet 16, and that they're playing Duke on Friday. I mean, you've been playing with house money since, honestly, the moment they beat Arizona State. But now the house is like, uh, yes, sir, we're going to have to ask you to leave that free villa because we need it for another whale. And we're like, no, nah, man, we're cool. I'm happy here. 
do you know what you get, man? I'll, I'm getting all this free food. I'm getting all this free money to play with. Like, you want me to leave? No, <laughs> I don't think so, buddy. Matt and Cicero's up next here on the block, ESPN Radio. What's up, Matt? Hey, thanks for having me, Brett. Question, and I think this may be uh, answered differently between fans and coaches and players. So would you rather see Syracuse lose the first round of the NCAA tournament or win the NIT? Oh, I would rather they lose in the first round every day of the week and twice on Sunday. I would, ra- I would rather lose as a one seed like Virginia did than play a minute in the NIT. I asked that question to Ryan Blackwell last Ooh. year. Ooh. What did he say? He would, he would rather win the NIT. Oh. They just want to play basketball. Oh, not, Blackwell. Oh, you're letting me down, Blackwell. Well, look, he's a, he's a basketball player, and he, he comes from that perspective, and he's a competitor. And congratulations to Ryan and Liverpool again for winning that state title. But my man, Ryan, you are wrong on this one. Thanks for the uh, question and the thought there, Matt. You, that's one of those things I brought up stubborn sports opinions earlier this hour that people do not back off from. So I'm, I'm coming full circle on this, but I will never back that off that statement. I would rather lose in the first round in any capacity, even as a one seed losing to a 16, than play a minute in the NIT because it's the NIT. And Syracuse is to sound like I've got my nose in the air here. We're above that. The program, the expectations are no. NIT is unacceptable in any capacity. And on that note, we shall break. We'll come back with some hot takes. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Court said our guards work pretty hard. The other guys are not doing a lot. They're setting screens and rolling. They're not doing a lot. But uh, you know, O'Shea's been really good in this tournament. He's just a freshman, but he doesn't play like a freshman. He makes big plays. He's going against a great defensive player. He made great plays. You know, our guards have not played well on offense, and we need them moving forward. They've got to, we've got to get them to play better offensively. There's some teams you can't stop. And you get in those situations in this tournament where you have to score. And today we got away with it. That won't happen again. The Orange are out to prove it again, aren't they? Prove it all night, Friday night against the Orange, against Duke, uh, for the Orange, I should say. So great to have you here. It's a Tuesday. Happy spring, everybody. Can you believe it is spring? Uh, uh, no is the answer to that question because it's currently 35 degrees and there's still snow on the ground. And uh, we're going to dodge the big snowstorm that's coming through kind of the East Coast. New York City is going to get about half a foot and uh, Mother Nature holding on to winter weather. But uh, spring is here and we're in March Madness and that's going to roll into the Masters. And that's going to roll into the NBA and NHL Plus and then NFL Draft Talk is going to pick up. And you know, life is glorious. Baseball will be back, of course. We always debate that. What's a better time of the year? Kind of late March, early April, or October? You know, when football's back and the NBA and the NHL start again. And I I prefer this time of the year just because you got championship level basketball, the Masters, which is the best of the golf majors, 
I love the NFL draft. Really just start geeking out on that when the tournament's over. Not that I'm not now as a Bills fan pondering how they're going to leap over the Jets for the second overall pick. But the hockey playoffs is bar none, pound for pound, my favorite event in sports. Just because every night you watch, you know, the sports equivalent of a battle happen and how hockey teams give it everything they have for two months. War of attrition that that is. I love the NBA playoffs. I mean, we're, we're, we're just sliding into that time of the year. It's a glorious time of the year to be a sports fan. Hot takes to come. Let's see what the Scooter in Jamesville has to say first, though. Scoot, what's happening, man? Thanks, man. I'm thinking about maybe I, you know, I'll let the hires and the agent to represent me. Uh, Sister Eugene gave me this brilliant idea to rent me out as like as like a lucky charm to the highest bidder of college. And my and I don't know if you remember that movie uh, with Danny Glover, uh, Angels in the Outfield. Yes, with the two kids, and they kept bringing them back because the Angels kept winning. Well, think of my track record now. I I started rooting for Purdue in 1997, and they were actually 0 and 11. They actually hired Joe Tiller from Wyoming, and I told everybody they're going to change the landscape of uh, Big Time forever. Within two years, they won the Big Ten title, first one since 1965. Started rooting for Boise State and, and, and Gonzaga. The rest is history. Then, because of Hopkins and Washington and Chris Pearson from Boise going to Washington, started rooting for them. And Pearson's in the uh, Final Four two years ago. Hopkins, the coach of the year. And then I start rooting for, for USA Curling, and they win their first golden medal. So <laughs> I've got to be a good luck, John. So I want to run myself out to the highest bidder. I want you to be my agent and represent me. I'm in. I'm in, man. Forget the rabbit's foot. We got Scooter. The the luck. Are you Irish? Is it the uh, luck of the no, Irish? No, I was, but uh, you know, believe me, putting St. Peter's is one of my favorite uh, holidays. Oh, no question way. about that, Scoot. I love this, man. We we've got the ultimate good luck charm sitting right here in Syracuse, New York. So that being said, Friday yeah. night, uh, will the luck of Scooter result in a victory for the Orange? I, I let's put it this way: I for them to win, in my opinion, they're going to have to do something that they, they maybe don't want to and shoot early in the clock because I got a feeling that Duke obviously, you know, I, to me, to me, I, I know they held them to 60 points, but a lot of them are open shots. Okay. And I don't know if they're going to miss those shots again, but to me, I think they're going to have to score 70 to win this game. And I'm not saying they can't do it because I think that Duke in Nebraska, I got a feeling Syracuse is going to be the crowd's favorite. I don't, I, I don't, you know, Duke, Duke's used to playing in the South because there's always a one seed somewhere. You know, so this is the first time they're going somewhere where I don't think the fans are going to be on, on their side. I agree with you in spirit there because it's easy to root against Duke, right? But be careful what you wish for, right? Because we all know what happened when Syracuse and Kansas met up uh, at a high level of basketball before, and Kansas beat Syracuse earlier this year in the regular season. So, you know, that all comes full circle. But just be careful what you, you wish for there. And, look, Syracuse is... Now, remember, a lot of this is Vegas wants your money. But Syracuse is by far the biggest underdog in the tournament at this point. Is an 11.5-point dog to Duke. And, again, a lot of that is, let's see how many piss, you know Syracuse fans we can tick off to get them to bet on the Orange. Oh, how dare they? We're not 11.5-point underdogs. And Vegas is laughing all the way to the bank, right? So just remember that. Uh, Syracuse, I see that uh, Matt Norlander of CBS and a couple other people have done this. He kind of reseed the tournament. When you get to the Sweet 16, and Syracuse is seated last behind, you know, Loyola, Chicago, and Nevada, and Clemson, a team that they beat, and Florida State. Okay, yep, that's fine. Uh, just, just keep doubting them. Keep fueling the fire. Keep giving them reason to come in as the team that has nothing to lose because, well, they really don't. 
Let's see what Steve in Liverpool thinks next up on the block. Hey, Steve. Hey, how you doing? Bad, uh, we know that there are going to be people coming from Syracuse to Omaha, but did you know that there's a Syracuse, uh, Nebraska? I did know this. Population about 1,900. I don't right, know. It's over 2,000 now. It's oh, about wow. an hour away. Okay. And I read about this is that in the history, it was like incorporated in 1869. They were building the railroad, and it came to that stop, and the city was named after Syracuse, New York. So I'm not going to Omaha, but there is a free advice out there from Steve for local media going to Nebraska. And if you got some time to kill, take the hour ride down to Syracuse, Nebraska, and see what that's like, right? I want to know. I know. And, and, and that whole talk about you know how flat it is and everything like that. Yeah. I mean, the, obviously the reporter was covering Big Ten, and uh, she wanted Michigan uh, State to win, and I think... You know, when you overhear somebody, you know, you're not really specifying. But I've been through Nebraska, and you go on 80, that is flat. Now from, we're talking. From one end to the other. You get out in that part of the country, and thanks for the call. Great uh, note there, Steve. The speed limit just goes up and up. I mean, with that fancy open, let's do a couple hot takes here. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for Hot Takes on the Block. By the way, on that uh, flat Nebraska-Omaha taking shots at Syracuse thing, uh, my uh, Syracuse.com colleague Katrina Tulloch and I are preparing a video response to that that you will see later this week. little tease there. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, you know about the XFL, right? This is the XFL. And it's coming back in 2020. Now, when the XFL happened, albeit briefly, it was a partnership between Vince McMahon and Dick Ebersole. If you're not familiar with Dick Ebersole, a lot of you certainly are. But if you're not, Dick Ebersole is the longtime president of NBC Sports. He's one of the most influential people in not only the history of sports television, but television itself. He also did Saturday Night Live and a few other things. And he's one of the biggest names. So it was Dick Ebersole and Vince McMahon who did kind of the partnership for the original XFL. And in the documentary about the XFL, the 30 for 30, they're both interviewed and featured in that. And they mentioned Charlie Ebersole, who today announced the Alliance of American Football. It will launch February 9th, 2019, the week after Super Bowl. That would be 43 next year. The season will run 10 weeks. It's going to have eight 50-man teams with cities to be announced. Bill Polian is consulting on this. Players like Jared Allen, Heinz Ward, Justin Tuck, Barstool Sports via the Shernan Group are invested in this. The initial game and the championship game are going to be carried by CBS. The CBS Sports Network is going to carry a lot of the regular season games. So here the XFL says it's coming back. And then Charlie Ebersole, Dick's son, says, yeah, we kind of have this football league that's going to start a year earlier. We have a better television deal. We've got financial backing. We've got football people involved. We've got CBS. Your move, McMahon. Now, as I said, when the XFL was relaunched, do not doubt the ability of Vince McMahon to market. But here's my question for Vince. Here's my question for Charlie. Here's my question for everybody. Are there enough football players for this to happen? Are there enough 
good football players for this to happen because you can hype this to no end. This country has a thirst for football like no other, but what they have a thirst for is good football. Are there enough good football players in this country to sustain something like this? There might be is the answer. They've got all the right things happening for him out of the shoot here. Because Vince announced the XFL, and the way he did it was it was Vince, and it was like this really weird spaceship-like set, and he did a conference call with all these reporters. My man Vince wasn't looking too good, to be honest. I mean, look, he's Vince McMahon, but I don't know if I would have picked Vince to be on camera for that. And he had a lot of non-answers to a lot of legitimate questions. And he just kind of shoved it down the road. So here comes this football league that still has some questions to be answered, like where the teams are going to be and where you're going to get the players. But like, no, we got CBS. We got these financial backers. We got football names behind it. We've got a television name that knows what he's doing behind it. Let's go. Oh, and it's a year earlier than the XFL. So either that will come out and show the XFL the wrong thing to do and the mistakes to correct, or they're going to beat the XFL at their own game. That's hot. I can't wait to see how it pans out here. I wanted to uh, note this. I don't want to spend a lot of time on pro days and workouts and 40 times and all that stuff because you can just get washed, law, pardon me, lost in a sea of it. And you could just wash away a lot of logic. And that being said, I think that Zaire Franklin has a place in the National Football League. I certainly think that Steve Ishmael has a place in the National Football League. Now, Steve, I think, is going to get drafted. I don't think he needed to go to the Combine. I think he's going to show in individual workouts that he's worthy of a draft pick. Whether Zaire Franklin is or not is still kind of on the verge, right? So he goes to his pro day yesterday. Had Zaire Franklin been at the Combine, his bench press count would have been the highest. His 40-yard dash and vertical would have been top five. That performance led to individual workouts with the Niners, the Seahawks, the Buffalo Bills, which I would love to see Zaire go to, and the Arizona Cardinals. Point being, what you have to do when you're not invited to the Combine is you've really got to stand out at your pro day. You have got to do something extraordinary, and that's what Zaire Franklin did. And what they will find out is how extraordinary of a person he is, what a leader he is, He's got to find the right place in football. I still think his speed would be a concern football-wise. 40-yard times are different than football speed. But I just, I've just i watched Zaire Franklin here over the past four years, as you have, and I, just, I see a football player that can make it in the league. Is he an all-pro? Is he a you know first, second, third-round pick? No. But that's a guy you can have on your roster. And I just hope he gets that one team that appreciates his talents and gives him a shot to do that. In this conversation of are there enough football players to do this? Is Zaire Franklin, is Steve Ishmael, is a number of the players that didn't quite make the cut combine, could they end up playing pro football in that alliance league that I mentioned? Or the XFL. If anything, there's more opportunities for football players that get cut. Because it used to be, okay, if you get cut in an NFL training camp, what are my options? Arena league, CFL? I mean, you didn't have a lot of choices. Now it seems... The thirst for football we have in this country is giving them many more choices. Because on that, we will break. We will come back and talk more Syracuse Duke. Our friend Chris Carlson is going to join us next hour. We've got a lot to do. Hang in there. Thank you. Bye-bye.